Brooklyn's Radio brings you City Update with Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphreys. Hello listeners, here we go with your much-anticipated look at the state of the financial world with Lee Humphreys from his home in Cobham. And I'm also deep in the heart of the Brooklyn's radio area here in Perford. Hello, Lee. Hello, Ian. Now, Lee, it's been a week of change. We've heard from the Prime Minister who told us to stay alert and cautiously start coming out of hibernation. Presumably, with fingers crossed, it won't lead to a sharp spike in the rate of infections. Then, unsurprisingly, the Chancellor prepared us for economic trouble ahead. So I'm guessing that's been reflected in your financial markets. Yeah, we, I mean, we've seen a sea of red more or less everywhere uh, this weekend. Um, several high-profile po- commentators have warned of, uh, of a rational exuberance again in the financial markets, including the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Uh, but it's actually in the, the real economy that we've started to see what kind of destruction seven weeks of full lo- lockdown have actually caused in. Absolutely. The government were balancing the physical health of the nation against the financial health. But whichever way you look at it, it's not been a pretty sight, has it? Uh, not pretty at all. You can uh, recall the tone of the message from Boris on Sunday night change to one in which we were encouraged with, of course, provisos to get back to work. And given the very early data figures we've seen this week, it's not going to be a moment too soon. Businesses can see the wreckage uh, brought about by the seven weeks of lockdown with the Federation of Small Businesses stating that one in three businesses Um, that have shut down in the UK may never reopen after the lockdown. One in three going bust is a startling figure, and uh, there'll be a knock-on in that, won't there? Uh, Yeah, uh, there will be a knock-on, exactly right. The the British Retail Consortium said only 20% of retailers have paid their full March quarter rent, and the ripple effect of that missing income spreads far and wide. The the, the easing of the lockdown you may have seen on Wednesday and coincided with the Chancellor uh, admitting that the country is in a significant recession. First quarter GDP fell 2%, which is the largest contraction since 2008. Household spending dropped at its fastest pace in 11 years. Now, at first glance, our listeners might think 2% isn't too disastrous because, after all, it was only last week you were telling them we'd see a collapse of a third of GDP being wiped out. Uh, that, that's right, I did, and, and I'm actually sticking to that, uh, uh, something around that figure. The first quarter ended in March. The UK's lockdown only accounted for just over a week of the first quarter's numbers. If we're to say that approximately each week the lockdown, uh, therefore, accounts for a fall of around about you know, 2% of GDP, we're potentially looking at a fall of 25% of GDP in the second quarter of 2020 alone. A quarter of the whole economy disappearing. Yeah, so that perhaps accounts for the uh, expression on the Chancellor's face when he was making his announcement and no doubt accounts for the government's keenness to get the economy up and running as soon as it's safe to do it. Yeah, it it does. Yeah, I mean, look... Well, we've heard about estate agents beginning to reopen, and that's largely because of the positive ripple effects of buying and selling houses. It's enormous. Marks and Spencer's cafes are among others, too. But the, the fear is, uh, especially in the beleaguered high street, that uh, this may be too little, too late for many firms. And this seven-week period has only acted to hasten shops' demise. We've covered this before, Ian, but if there are any real winners, economically speaking, during this pandemic, it's the online players and often, sadly, the big online players at the expense of the independent high street retailer who additionally have to add to their growing list of competitive disadvantages of corporation tax, rates, rents, 
Um, they now need to contend with the burden of PPE and social distancing measures, which will restrict football further. So while Vodafone said on Wednesday it was reopening its 411 stores in early June, Dixon's car phone highlighted the futility of the exercise by saying that it was, uh, has been able to recover two-thirds of shop sales online during the crisis. You've got to therefore uh, question why Vodafone and others like them are bothering going through the reopening process at all. Yes, it's been tough for the high street for a long time, but uh, this latest hit is going to be bad. Can it adapt? Um, you know, they'll, they'll have to. Um, you know, as retailers await guidance from government as to when the shops can open again, eBay, that sort of giant American marketplace website, um, said they've been encouraging uh, shops in the UK with incentives to use the website to sell their products. However, you know, few firms have the visibility as to how the next few weeks will look, let alone the next quarter or year. Therefore, manufacturers, for instance, will have little uh, interest in resuming normal production levels when they're not sure what demand for their goods is going to be. Yeah, it's no use producing the goods if people don't buy them to resell them. So do we know what, what the fall in high street sales have been recently? Not good, I think. Um, you know, we, we've, got a, we've got a reasonable idea for April. Uh, retail sales were down around 20% year on year. That's uh, not surprisingly a record. Um, online sales right now account for 70% of all non-food purchases in the UK. That's up from around about 30% pre-lockdown. John Roberts, actually, the, uh, the boss of AO World, the online retailer of household appliances and electrical, electrical goods, uh, described online sales as being on steroids currently. Uh, it's like Black Friday every day, he said, um, adding that uh, um, it sort of begs the question why you need, to, uh, why you need stores at all. Yeah, now I also hear about the hospitality business. I, I guess that means hospitality means pubs, restaurants and catering, and it's been disastrous for them. Oh, it's, it's, it's devastated the whole sector. Um, in the UK, like so much of the world, workers in the hospitality sector have either been furloughed or made redundant, uh, given, the mass case, given the mass case at events, it would appear uh, will be the last thing to sort of arise from the ashes. Some are managing to write, redirect sales from pubs and restaurants to you know, home deliveries uh, with the aid of a website, but by and large, uh, they're struggling. Even huge FTSE listed companies uh, such as uh, drinks maker Diageo, whilst benefiting from a 300% increase in what's called off-trade channels, basically people boozing at home to you and me, Ian, are struggling by the disappearance of people going out to the pub, for example. Yeah, I've done my bit to contribute to the switch from uh, pub to home, but I'm looking forward to going back to the pub again. Uh, but suppliers of food to restaurants presumably will be suffering exactly a similar fate? Uh, by and large, Ian, they are, yeah. But, it, but actually, interestingly, there's a, there's a notable exception um, going on in the uh, US right now with the meat trade. Um, COVID has disrupted the processing of meat to such an extent that whole plants have had to be shut down. It's um, been made worse by the fact that the industry is so concentrated. Something like 50 meat plants account for almost all beef production within the U.S., uh, for example, a nation of you know, 325-odd million people. So even one shutting down has a huge effect. Yeah, to such an extent, I think uh, President Trump uh, said that meat processing plants are part of the critical infrastructure of the U.S. Ah, yeah, he did, yeah. And not only that, uh, actually, 
know whether you saw this, at the end of April, the National Guard, no less, were uh, brought into Iowa as a result of plants closing in order to main supply uh, there. Um, it's been taken very seriously at the top end. Made worse, no doubt, as it's summer coming up, and Americans do like to put food on their barbecues. Uh, well, you know, so you would think, but fear not. There's actually a new kid on the block riding in with an alternative. Well, I... Um, how do I put this? Will I be right in thinking, Ian, you're partial on occasions to the odd vegan sausage? I'm, I never say no to a sausage of any variety, Lee. Carry on. Well, well, good. Uh, then Beyond Meat, the plant-based alternative to, well, um, meat, uh, will be a, a, uh, won't be a stranger to you then. Um, as, as the supply, actually, of, of meat has fallen due to these closures and prices have been driven ever higher. They, along with uh, others, have attempted to make hay. Uh, one of the issues with the product, other than taste, of course, has uh, been the cost. Uh, it's just not competitive when in comparison to the real thing. Yeah, I don't know about making hay with sausages, but anyway, didn't you mention these guys last week said their stock was roaring ahead? Oh, full marks in. You were listening. Um, the shares are um, much like the product, full of beans at the moment. Revenues were up, I think I mentioned, 140% in the first quarter, um, with stock having doubled since March. And right now, you know, Ian, we might, from a very unexpected source, find a potential blueprint for how our high streets could thrive in time. I don't think you're expecting me to say, what, chains of meat-free butchers? Not necessarily, but, um, you know, Beyond Me is, like Tesla that we mentioned last week, a lifestyle brand. Um, those who consume its products are sort of making a statement and saying to others, this is me, this is the kind of person I am. It, uh, it complements the personality of the consumer purchasing it in much of the same way as uh, the owner of a Tesla is saying to others, this isn't just a car I'm driving. I, uh, I care about the environment too. Often it's, of course, complete nonsense. But with the additional branding overlay, these products become a statement about how people see themselves and how they want others, importantly, to see them too. So um, I'm looking forward to going down the high street, uh, not to buy hardware, but to um, go for coffee then. Yeah, look, we've discussed this in the, in the last few weeks that the Internet is basically reading the last rights in a particular form uh, to the high street almost as we speak in. But if the same high street can move away from, as we've heard earlier, the selling of phones and such like and become in itself somewhere where people can potentially say something interesting about themselves and the personality they want to project, project. Um, then we'll see uh, high streets with great futures. Restaurant chains, actually, uh, thinking about it, like the Ivy have done this brilliantly, but, you know, boutique gyms, delis, yoga studios and juice bars have you know, also followed suit. So, um, you know, conspicuous consumption, even of everyday goods like coffee, in a setting uh, which says, this is me, this is who I am, will not only secure footfall, but far greater profitability. Uh, and all this needs customers to actually have money to go and buy things. Lee, take care of yourself, and I'll see you next week. Cheers, Ian. See you next week. Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphries brought you City Update on Brooklyn's Radio.